there and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one topsy-turvy page of Talmud a day. And in today's page, Ketubot 20, the Talmud asks us a question about madness and wealth. Have a listen. Rav Ashi said in that case, establish two witnesses against the two witnesses who contradicted the testimony of the first pair and establish the money in the possession of Barshatya. The Gemara notes, we say that the property remains in the possession of Barshatya only when he has possession of the property based on the possession of his fathers. However, if he does not have possession of the property based on the possession of his fathers, but he acquired the property himself, we say he purchased his properties when he was insane and he sold them when he was insane. He does not have presumptive ownership of them. Therefore, the property remains in the possession of the person to whom Bar Shatya sold it. This is such an interesting question. Presume there's a person, Bar Shatya, uh, who has a lot of money and then goes insane and sells all of his stuff, loses all of his money. What do you do? I mean, the guy's clearly crazy. The Talmud comes and says, well, it depends. If Barshati has money because he inherited the money from his father, yeah, man, you shouldn't punish him. You should give him back his money. However, if Barshati as a self-made man, made all that cash, then went insane, then lost all of his money, that is a whole different ballgame. Because eccentric billionaires making really wild business decisions is kind of in the news these days. This paragraph, this question of Barshatya and his insanity and his money prompted me to ring up my dear friend, Tablet Magazine's ace writer and reporter, Armin Rosen. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Now, uh, Armin, when you read about Barshatya going crazy, making questionable business deals, maybe a genius, maybe insane, does this remind you of uh, any very rich, famous person in the news these days? Yeah, it seems like barely a day goes by without the antics of uh, Elon Musk uh, dominating the headlines and the headspace. Truly, this is the summer of Musk, really, uh, with his, his round face kind of hovering above. His round face, if we're lucky, these days, it's it's a whole body shot that we're getting from the beach. So tell me, you've, you've thought about Elon Musk, you've written uh, very compellingly about Elon Musk. And the Talmud today is, is sort of raising this question of, of the, the intricate connection between insanity, wealth, and, and how should we treat uh, those people who may have a lot of money but sometimes go crazy and make bad business decisions. Speak to us, sing to us, O oh muse, of, of Elon Musk uh, and his state of mind. Well, I think the really intriguing thing about Elon Musk from the very beginning is that it's sort of unclear how crazy he really is. And we, d- we just don't know. If, if he ends up having to pay $52 a share for Twitter at a time when you know Tesla's stock price is cratering, then yes, it does seem like he's been too clever by half, that he's kind of shooting from the hip and doesn't really know what he's doing. On the other hand, uh, who are we to argue with a guy who turned a company that barely makes or sells any cars into the world's most valuable automaker, seemingly based off of smoke and mirrors and tons of government subsidies? You know, it's it's you and me that make Tesla as valuable as it is. American taxpayers, in other words. You know, was Elon Musk really the most obvious guy in the world to sort of hire the scientists who could figure out how to land a rocket core on like a barge in the middle of the ocean and then reuse the same rocket like four days later? I mean, this is what's intriguing about the guy. And, and I sort of wonder exactly what the Talmud's kind of standard for sanity would be, because these days... And this is really one of the more 
interesting and maddening things about the current state of the world. It's very hard to tell who's crazy and who's not. I think that's actually what the Talmud is sort of getting at in today's page, right? They say, look, if this is a person who is only wealthy because he inherited a lot of money and then he fumbles and bumbles about, well, you know, clearly this is an incompetent, give him back his money. However, if this is a person who made a lot of money and then lost a lot of money, who are we to say what's crazy? I mean, was it crazy to start a company called The Boring Company devoted to, you know, digging or, you know, Hyperloop train from San Francisco to LA? Maybe, but that's how this individual made his money. Therefore, if this individual loses a lot of money based on completely egregious, outrageous business decisions, really, who are we to judge? Right. And I think the boring company, and this is kind of another thing that I think makes Musk such a such a figure of fascination, was the boring company really kind of like a business play or was it Musk kind of following his own weird kind of inner muse? Or it's like, well, I have more money than anybody else in the world. I might as well just like dig a tunnel between San Francisco and LA, right? Like that's a thing I have the money and the time to do. And, and in a sense, you can almost you can operate at such a scale where you can make your crazy ideas sane. It's not as if Musk lost a ton of net worth because of the boring project. It's not as if it sort of like tanked his public reputation. Other things did. But you, you can kind of get to a point where you've reached escape velocity and you can't really fail. The, the, the Twitter thing might be sort of the limits of that if he actually is sort of forced to liquidate a ton of stock in order to overpay uh, you know, for a tech company that he seemingly wanted to buy as a joke at first. But maybe the joke's on us and he has some larger game in mind. We just, we just don't know right now. The modern day Bar Shatya. Armin Rosen, thank you so much for being our guest. Thanks again. This has been Take One. If you enjoy the show, and I hope you do, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafyomi. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Rusquet and Quinn Waller. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Mark Oppenheimer, Sarah Fredman-Ader, Robert Scaramuccia, and Tanya Singer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You can find us on Twitter at takeone.fiomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic, and we will see you again soon.